Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, the very special Monday Pickups Edition uh, it is also a special holiday edition and also a special playoffs edition. So it's it's just it's all kinds of special is what it is. Uh, I'm Andy Barons, coming to you from Chicago. He, of course, is Scott Pianowski, the multi-sport fantasy legend, the Hall of Famer. Uh, we are we are mired in a week that feels like it is absolutely the worst of 2020. We've had three games postponed. Uh, in fact, because of the postponements, we still have four games remaining on the week 15 schedule. Week 15 is going to continue for, I don't know, days, maybe weeks. Who knows? A couple things to hit at the top. Number one, all these stats are going to count within your within week 15 for you, fantasy-wise. No worries there. Uh, also need to mention that waivers are actually pushed back 24 hours in Yahoo League. So if you're the type of person who gets up um, pre-dawn on Wednesday to check and see which claims you won and who you might add that morning. Just you can go ahead and do that, but don't do it on Wednesday. Do it on Thursday. Thursday is the day for that. So everything just pushed back 24 hours. No big deal. We've had this drill before. We went through this last year. It's fine. You'll deal. Damn it. It's the it's the playoff semifinals. So we're going to try to hit the pickups landscape for week 16. We'll probably streamline this a little bit because anybody listening to fantasy football content at this late date uh, is having a good year. And you probably don't need just every possible name that we can throw out. Um, So we will try to curate a little bit and make sure that we hit the most important ones. Um, Scott Pianowski, I, I, under normal circumstances, I really enjoy the unpredictability of the NFL, but it, uh, it messed up my fantasy plans. How, how was your week 15, sir? Messed up your fantasy plans. Well, you're, you're spanking me in the Charles Robinson, uh, Therese Paler league. So congratulations. Literally the only, the only league in which I'm winning a playoff matchup in which I didn't have a buy. It's been a total bloodbath. I was insulted by the ridiculous, health of your team the fact that there's no red ink on your team i mean I, i'm i'm like okay how do i replace tyler lockett and you know it'd be nice if mike evans could play a full game and you know i, I which quarter which bad quarterback am i going to play and you just rolled out the andy Barron's perfect health all-stars you had a better team than me anyway which is always a nice thing but you know i i have the advantage of the it's the fact that all of my guys actually got covid in november right so they got it out of the way Yes, great, brilliant scheduling by by Barons. You know, realizing that he could uh, take the bye week, you know, take 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 a week off, right? You know, the load management that, that was your your version of load management. Yeah, how you did know, I see it coming? Because I grind tape, Scott. That's why. Yeah, well, I, I grind <laughs> tape. It didn't didn't help me against your team. Your team, and, unless Tyler Lockett plays and scores about eighty seven points, um, you know, and, and then I'll. And yeah, uh, by the way, if I win this game because of Tyler Lockett, you're forced to do a uh, a blog the next morning of how Tyler Lockett just went into the record books because that's probably what I would need to beat you. That might even not be enough. You know, people ask me, okay, so you're in the industry, you know, you're, you're right, you talk, you predict, and then you have your own teams. And what do you root for on Sunday? You know, and I, I always root for my work to look good, for the predictions to be right, for the darts to win. And this week I went 5-0 and on the darts. Players I faded, I faded Michael Pittman. He did nothing. I faded the Dallas passing game. They were a dud. Uh, I steered a lot of people to Gabriel Davis. I thought it was a pretty obvious call. I don't want to victory lap that, but whatever that that worked out. My personal fantasy, I, I was in a bunch of playoffs. I, almost every team I'm, I have made the playoffs, but I didn't get a lot of buys this year. 
And a lot of teams were in the fire this week and nothing went right. I had a bunch of Tampa Bay guys. Fournette didn't finish the game. Mike Evans didn't finish the game. And look, the Saints are a horrible matchup for them anyway. You could argue that Tampa Bay could play for seven hours and still not have any points against that defense. Brady struggled against them. But uh, just a week where... I thought my picks were great. I thought my analysis was was helpful. I thought I think a lot of people I, I helped, but I could not help myself. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I I I I'm not. That's not lost here, Andy. I, w- I would like my teams to do well. I'd like to be in a better mood today. I'm wearing my Auburn hockey hat. Shout out to my dad. Uh, Providence College has cracked the top twenty five in basketball, which means a successful season for them. Shout out to Ed Cooley. And Nate Watson and the boys beat Connecticut over the weekend. I should be in a great mood. But the day the day you get eliminated, and that's the thing. You know, a lot of my teams are going to lose. They're, I can't even get helped by Monday and Tuesday. There's still four football games. I know. And I, barring a miracle, I'm, I'm still out of it. And just, there's something about the day of elimination, Andy, that nobody will, you know, nobody will know. All the tape you watched, all the talks you had with Frank Schwab backstage or, or whoever, you know, my peeps back in Chelmsford, all the football we talked – it's all for naught, you know. I'm just another team that won't win the title in several of my leagues. Still alive in, in some of them. Fishbowl, I can still – I had a buy in the fishbowl, thankfully. But um, it was a bloodbath for me in week 15. I gave out the good advice, and I could not follow it myself. I'm pretty sure that I need, like, just an absolute supernova performance from not only Kirk Cousins, but David Montgomery as well to um, continue on in fishbowl. Made some missteps there uh, with the roster uh, in week 15. The, you know, the other thing that gets me about week 15 is I, like, that morning, that Sunday morning, I sort of looked at the fantasy portfolio, all the all the uh, sit-start decisions that I had, and I felt one of the reasons I felt good is I, I wasn't, like, all in on any particular quarterback. You know, I had, like, a league with Brady. I had a league with Kyler Murray. I had a league with Taysom. I had two leagues with Taysom Hill, right? I, I spread it out. There's no way that all these guys bust simultaneously, and yet they are all uh, down at the at the bottom of the uh, the the who's hot list on uh, on Yahoo Fantasy. You know what else 15. I did wrong, and this this is just something a modern problem. I noticed in the in the Huevos League that Brad Evans runs that Craig Reynolds had been dropped, and I needed a quality running back, and I had some money left over. You know, anybody who had any fab money, you know, even just a few bucks is better than most of the people who don't have anything. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I noticed this at, I don't know, a red light. I might have been in line at Starbucks. You know, I noticed it at some point when I wasn't in a position to actually you know, go through the motions of doing what I needed to do. So I said, okay, I got to get a dollar bid, dollar offer in on, on Craig Reynolds that will process on Sunday. Forgot to do it. One of uh, one of the other playoff teams snagged him for nothing, for, for a zero dollar bid. And I hope I don't lose that game by the different Reynolds didn't go crazy by any means, but he went over 100. He, he played well. yards. And, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, they're one of my picks, actually. I, again, I went five and on the darts. The darts are heating up, but the Lions, you know, easily dispatched of how many times you see this in the NFL where a couple double digit underdogs won and they were clearly the right side. The Saints dominated that Sunday night game and the Lions were all over Arizona for three hours. So, you know, I, I made the mistake in, in uh, another t- my fishbowl team, which I didn't realize had a buy. Um, I forgot <laughs> to I forgot to bench Damian Harris. And I'm looking at my lineup on Sunday and I see Damian Harris locked in there. I'm like, did I really? And I have like eight other running backs I could have used. You know what I mean? I, it's not like I, I had to play him and hope. Like, man, I'm just, I'm in too many leagues. But um, anyway, enough enough of enough of my whining. Let's, uh, let's try to help the people out there. Well, Pianowski and I may reek of defeat right now, but here is something that can make your holiday season a little more profitable. Yahoo Daily Fantasy will be hosting a 12 days of winning. That's a lot of winning celebration. 12 days with special holiday contests and offerings leading up to Christmas weekend as a gift to our users. Uh, check out our lobby today and join in on the holiday fun. Okay, pickups. Um, we can't really have the pickups conversation without the injury conversation. Let's start at running back. You mentioned the Leonard Fournette injury. It's a hamstring. It sounds like it's going to be, it certainly has the potential to be multiple weeks. Joe Mixon, I don't know if we're calling this an aggravation of an existing ankle injury, but he was down for a little while toward the end of that game uh, with with a left ankle situation. Our coworker um, and just an absolute fantasy monster this year, Austin Eckler, uh, right before we started recording the podcast here on Monday, he has apparently hit the COVID list. Um, so uh, keeping a good thought for him. Hope he hope he makes it back soon. So we've got some issues there. Uh, the guys that I wrote about this week, and listen, I'm going to have to tweak this damn thing, I don't know, six times, 
10 times, who knows how many times, um, because there's still four games ahead, which is wild. Uh, the guys that I wrote about this week, obviously Ronald Jones gets a gets an uptick in value if, uh, if Leonard Fournette is sidelined for any length of time. Everybody knows what the flaws are with Ronald Jones. Ball security has been an issue in the past. Um, catching thrown objects has been an issue in the past for Ronald Jones, but uh, when he carries the ball, he's good, right? Like last couple seasons, it's been five yards per carry. He he certainly he, like he was the only effective part, really. He and Fournette of uh, of Tampa Bay's offense on Sunday night, if we can call any part of that effective. Uh, Duke Johnson also interesting. Uh, Duke Johnson was great. Like it's it's wild that this was the first um, this was the first twenty carry game for Duke Johnson. He's in his seventh season. He's always been good. He was a featured runner in college at Miami. Really good collegiate back. I don't want to say that he never got a chance because he obviously got a chance. He's played a bunch um, with the with the Browns for years, obviously. But he was a he was a receiving specialist. He took twenty carries and he did not miss. He just had a great game for Miami in a in a, a relatively low degree of difficulty matchup against the Jets. Anyway, he was outstanding. Uh, Samaje Pirine would obviously be the direct replacement for Joe Mixon. You mentioned Craig Reynolds. I don't know how much longer the Craig Reynolds story lasts because uh, presumably at some point at least Jamal Williams comes back. Uh, Justin Jackson would be my preferred replacement for Austin Eckler. If Eckler can't go in week 16, Joshua Kelly would be involved as well. Uh, I don't know. Sort that out, Scott. Yeah. You know, when Duke Johnson went off in that Miami game, I actually had, I picked him up on a few teams, but once Gaskin got cleared, I just figured, okay, there's no reason to have Duke Johnson. I probably cut those shares. I think everybody in our industry has recommended Duke Johnson at some point. It's two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, whenever it was. And it used to be an annual tradition for me. Yep. I don't know that Cleveland ever really gave him a chance. I, I, I feel like he was done wrong by a really bad collection of coaches that the Browns had for years. So uh, the problem, the killjoy with Johnson is he gets the Saints defense, which is yep. nasty against the run. And they just made Tampa Bay look, I mean, they basically just flipped the MVP race, right? I mean, it was Brady's to lose. And, and now, um, you know, it, it's either Brady or, or Aaron Rodgers probably. Um, so that, that's, thank you, Saints. I, I don't have any confidence that Duke Johnson will do a lot against the Saints or will even maintain that share that he had. I mean, maybe they'll go back to Gaskin a little bit. I don't really trust Tua, who threw one of the worst picks of the week, uh, trying to lose that game for Miami. I mean, do they really need a deep threat? They, you can see how badly they've missed Will Fuller this year. So I think you, you nod to Duke Johnson. You pat him on the back. I don't want to play him this week. Ronald Jones sticks out to me for a couple different reasons. You would think Fournette would be out. Tom Brady has a great track record of bouncing back after bad matchups, uh, after yeah. playing poorly. He just had the worst game he's going to have. He'll hyper-focus. He gets Carolina, a team that's that's fallen on hard times. Somehow Cam Newton has lost 12 straight starts for the Carolina Panthers. Um, not that he's the problem with the defense, but and the defense is actually okay. But I, I would think Ronald Jones is in line for a lot of touches. The Buccaneers would be back to their 30-point level. I feel really confident about him. I agree that Jackson is the right play with the LAC. If Eckler can't go, and, and, and please get, get healthy soon. Austin Eckler, appreciate the great job you've done all year with Liz Loza. Man, Jordan, I've just seen Jordan Howard's name on this list makes me kind of queasy because Philadelphia always wants to use a bunch of different backs, and we don't know if Hertz will be available or not. He might be the guy who scores the touchdowns. I wouldn't want to be in a semifinal matchup. I guess it comes down to this. Who would you feel comfortable rolling with in a semifinal? You know, you have a good team if you got to the semifinals. Ronald Jones, yeah, I could play him proactively. Samaje P. Ryan, even against the really good Baltimore rushing defense, I could go with that. Jackson, I think, is a fallback play. If, if maybe you lost Eckler, or you, you lost Fournette, you might have to go there. Everybody else you mentioned would just be a depth ad for me, not somebody I would want to play proactively. Yeah, um, I, we're in the same place on on Jones. I think Jones is the one name from this list that's like a just at whatever you got left, uh, empty the wallet sort of player, right? Because it's it's the Panthers up and then it's the Jets. Uh, but Duke Johnson just went off against the Jets. Everybody's gone off against the Jets this year. So if Jones gets two starts and he gets two games with uh, workloads that look anything like what Leonard Fournette has been receiving over the last month, month and a half. You know, I don't want to toss out league winner, but he's definitely going to, he's certainly going to be an RB1 
uh, in the ranks in uh, in week 17 in the most important week of the season against the Jets. And he's probably going to rank as a pretty high, uh, pretty high RB2 in week 16, I would think. You're right to call out the uh, the upcoming opponent for Duke Johnson. I mean, the Saints are just like, that's about as rough as it gets. I, I just want to give Johnson like, I, I don't know, I want to I want to give him his flowers because he was great. It took seven years to get here. It took seven years for a team to say, you know what? We're just going to lean on Duke Johnson today. And I will say, like, even though, again, it's just the Jets, you could not arm tackle Duke Johnson on Sunday. He looked phenomenal. Like, I don't, I don't know what the missed tackle count is for Duke Johnson in that game, but I, I felt like every time he touched the ball, he ran through someone. Yeah, passed the eye test for sure. Why he ended up not just starting the game, but maintaining the featured role. And, and Gaskin really didn't get involved until late. He had a 30-yard run, I think, in the fourth quarter. But you would think Johnson gets the right to start that game. It's just he's getting the wrong defense at the wrong time. But um, again, you know, the guy was good at Miami. I, I really don't think the Browns ever gave him a chance. But unfortunately, you can't chase those points going forward. I, there, there, there are going to be guys who did play well this week where we will chase the points. Duke Johnson is a guy you don't want to chase them. Yep, fully agree. Um, let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit, and I guess we can go quick here because uh, I have a difficult time imagining, especially in a one-quarterback league, at this late date that uh, that people don't already have their quarterback plans set. The biggest injury from Week 15, of course, Teddy Bridgewater suffered an ugly concussion. It sounds like Drew Locke is going to be the starter in Week 16. That is not a recommendation of Drew Locke, just for the record. Uh, guys I mentioned in the column, Justin Fields, uh, he's got Seattle and the Giants coming up. You and I are recording this before the Bears play the Vikings. I would imagine that would go pretty well for Justin Fields. Obviously, it's a bit of a roller coaster with him. He's going to have some bad moments. He's going to have some thrilling moments. He's been rushing aggressively lately, which is a good thing over his last month or so. He's averaging over 60 rushing yards per game. We like that. When he throws the ball, it goes as far downfield as as any quarterback is throwing it, right? He's at the top of the league in terms of intended air yards per target. So I like that as well. Uh, if you could guarantee me that Tyler Huntley was going to get another start, he would be my ad at quarterback. That was really fun. He is... If he's not if he's not on the on the same level of Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray as a rusher, he's damn close to it. He was really fun to watch. But again, I, like Lamar's coming back at some point. The upcoming matchup is Cincinnati and beyond that, it's the Rams. Other than that, I can give a totally unenthusiastic, I don't know, not even an endorsement, but I'm willing to look the other way if for some reason you needed to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, or if for some reason you needed to pick up Ben Roethlisberger, is probably at least looking at significant volume in Week 16 against the Chiefs. Again, that is not an official endorsement of those guys. Yeah, well, Garoppolo does lead the league in YPA, and at least he sometimes will throw a pass to George Kittle, and Kittle will run through Mayhem or, or throw, even though they seem to prefer Debo Samuel as a running back these days, but they do occasionally throw a pass to Debo Samuel, what a fun player he is. Yeah. And Tennessee and Houston is a great set of matchups Here, here's the other thing too right i mean with injuries and especially with the COVID situation i know the nfl is changing some protocols i might be more proactive to just having an alternative quarterback just in case something happened to right, my presumed right. starter right i mean i don't know maybe something yeah aaron Rodgers is my guy why would i ever bench him for garoppolo and then something happens with rogers you know i don't know he gets in a car accident or you know, he gets on the COVID list. I don't wish any of that on anybody, but you just, I might want to have an extra guy if I had the spot to play with. I mean, this is also a time of year where I'm, I'm streaming defense. I, I may have two or three defenses on a roster. You would never do that in September. So just remember, you Garoppolo, he, he's never going to throw for a ton of yards because they want to play a power running game. They're probably going to have, I would think, Mitchell back this week, although we'll see. Um, they finally got Jeff Wilson going. Um, he may be available in some thinner leagues. Um, we didn't mention him in the running back segment. But so now's the time of year where I might be open for that. The funny thing about Roethlisberger, I, I keep forgetting to do this. I'm going to try to talk about this tomorrow with Frank on the betting show. I get a bet against Pittsburgh in the first half. This team just shows up. <laughs> shows up in the second half. It shows up in the yeah. fourth quarter, right? I mean, the Baltimore game was like that. They looked like they had just met in the first half. I think they only ran like 18 plays or something like that in the first half. And then they... They make the mad comeback. They somehow beat the Ravens. They almost had a miraculous comeback 
against the Vikings. And then yesterday, you know, again, nothing in the first half. And then they did just enough to beat Tennessee. So, I mean, that, um, the Vikings game was an embarrassing no-show in the first half. And and that is as poorly as a defense has played probably all year, right? The the rushing lanes that Dalvin Cook had in the first half of that game were unreal. You just, like, it was Big 12 stuff. You just don't see it in the NFL. Right, yeah. I remember, I think it was Aaron Andrews who asked him about that. You know, it's just, wow. Though I think I could have, you know, gone for 150 yeah. against, uh, against what you were looking at. Yeah, there's a lot of open space, you know. I'm sure Alexander Madison... Managers were a little bit frustrated because he probably would have had a huge day if needed. But so Pittsburgh, uh, bet against Pittsburgh in the first half. And then, you know, I'm sure Roethlisberger will do the, what he normally does. He'll throw 17 targets to Deontay Johnson. He'll throw a late <laughs> touchdown to Chase Claypool. Claypool will get a taunting penalty after the touchdown. You know, your usual Pittsburgh Steelers stuff. But by the way, if you were a free agent, I mean, we may have already talked about this. I, you know, the Steelers, the, did we already have the Steelers-Broncos conversation? Where, where do we want the free agent quarterback yeah, to go? Yeah. Where do we want – does Rodgers change teams? Does Wilson change teams? Gardner Minshew, does he change teams? I know he's under contract for another year. Um, I'm really curious to see what, what either one of these teams could do with a healthier, younger quarterback, especially with the Broncos. And, and no, I – Dude, I'll co-sign with you, Drew Locke. You do not want Drew Locke in your in your playoff life. Uh, I know Denver has a lot of skill talent. I'm interested in it next year when they have a different quarterback. And, you know, get get well soon, Teddy Bridgewater. But you should be probably a career backup uh, or a very low end starter. I'm excited. I'm excited to draft Noah Fant one of these years, Andy. I, I know the Iowa tight ends generally <laughs> let us down, but. Um, it has been so painful to watch, like as somebody who, you know, takes particular interest in Iowa tight ends and their NFL futures, man, like it, it feels at times like the only targets that Fant ever really gets are third down targets where the Broncos are throwing like five yards short of the sticks. Um, that's that's when they target Noah Fant. They are such unsatisfying passes. Right, or that I have to get rid of this to avoid the sack. It's really an uncatchable target. It's in the direction of Fant. It's yes. probably close enough to to you know to take his catch rate down, but you know you'd, you'd have to be you know an all world unbelievable. You have to be six foot nine to catch it. You know, um, some tight ends aren't that big, but it's been that kind of year. Let's hit the wide receivers because this is a bit of a mess, man. That that Bucks game that was uh, that was something. You talk about a team that not only loses a game, doesn't score a point, but also loses. Every key player except for Gronk and Brady, right? Um, Chris Godwin suffers an MCL injury in that thing. Uh, that's going to be a multi-week issue. The news was better on Mike Evans. He's got a hamstring. Uh, he was immediately ruled out of the game. It does not seem as serious as Godwin's injury. Other injuries around the league. Julio Jones uh, has, I don't know, the the 25th note on his player page about a hamstring issue. He checked out of the Titans game. And uh, unfortunately, just a, a, you know, injury ravaged, injury strewn season for Sterling Shepard. He suffered an Achilles injury. Keep a good thought for him. He's but when healthy, really fun player. Um, so those are the primary injuries there. The ads that I wrote about and I got I got to say, I felt I felt pretty good about the top receivers. Uh, like these are all legitimate pickups. Like sometimes we're just kind of going through the motions uh, in in a pickups column and we're just listing a whole bunch of names who happen to pop in a given week. But I feel really good about Amon Ross St. Brown right now. This is this is three straight games with double-digit targets. In fact, three straight games uh, in which he's, he's seen 35 total targets, hasn't seen less than 11 in any of those games, and he's catching damn near all of them, right? He's, he's found the end zone twice in his last three weeks. He looks completely legit to me without Hawkinson on the field for the rest of the season. I see no reason why Amon Ross St. Brown isn't going to continue to see 10, 12, maybe more targets per game. He looks pretty legit. Um, great to see him finishing strong. He's got Atlanta coming up and, and then Seattle. Neither one of those games, obviously, is a stay-away matchup. Um, wrote about Marquez Valdez-Scantling again. He's got Cleveland and Minnesota coming up. We've said it before. MVS leads the NFL in uh, in air yards per target so far this year and, and by, like, a lot. So e even in the games where he's only seeing three targets, they're, like, downfield high-value targets from Aaron Rodgers. So that's a, that's a pretty good situation. He's a little bit of a high-variance player, although he's been seeing a bunch of targets lately. Anyway, super talented, uh, scored a, a, a memorable touchdown in, uh, in Week 15, a full extension touchdown. It was fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned Gabe Davis earlier. 
he was he was kind of a chalky DFS play in the past week. Obviously, no Emmanuel Sanders. That was always going to mean good things for Gabe Davis. Uh, he saw a bunch of targets. He, he had a huge day, both in terms of yardage, and he found the end zone a couple of times. This is four touchdowns now in his last three games. Uh, he was he was scoring when he was barely seeing the field. And now if he's going to take over Emmanuel Sanders targets, um, he's a guy that we're going to want to play. I think I think the player that I am most interested in in Tampa Bay, uh, first of all, it's a complicated receiving core, right? Because Antonio Brown is coming back. He's going to play. Uh, Gronk is still there. He hasn't he hasn't out of the picture uh, by any means. I think Tyler Johnson is the is the receiver who interests me most. Um, Scotty Miller is also sort of a one of those high variance downfield threats. He's a bit interesting. I don't think I would pull the trigger on him and I would actually be pretty reluctant to start Tyler Johnson in a playoff matchup as well. Uh, one other name I'll toss out there is is Marquez Callaway, who had a nice day um, after five straight games in which he saw exactly four targets. Uh, Callaway was just peppered with targets. He was one of the only interesting players for the Saints other than, you know, the kicker, right? Like um, Callaway goes over 100 yards. That was good to see. I don't know that it's repeatable. Yeah, it's a very detailed rundown. I I don't have much to add because I think you said almost everything I could have said. Uh, About St. Brown, I will say, he gets, they get the Falcons this week and the Falcons have a very poor pass rush. And Detroit, and it's kind of a cliche to say, oh, well, when you protect Jared Goff, you know, he can be a professional quarterback. But I mean, they're, we saw it on Thanksgiving, right? I mean, the, all they did is hold against the Bears for three hours. Their protection has been a lot better of late. And now they get a Falcons team that, you know, you give them like three weeks, they get to the, to the pocket. So I think Jared Goff will have time. St. Brown is dominating target. Targets are a receiver stat. You know, if you, you're getting the type of volume that he's getting, and of course, as you said, the high efficiency that he's turning it into, he's a special player. No Hawkinson, probably no Swift for the rest of the season. So he's their featured guy. He is somebody, and, and the only reason I'm talking about him this much is it's just if you've already picked him up, I I would roll with him very confidently. I would have to have really loaded receiver room to not be playing St. Brown the rest of the season. I think Atlanta and Seattle looks very good for him. MVS is a great Hail Mary, right? He's a great, if you need to get kind of frisky with that wide receiver three or flex spot, yeah, you know, yeah. or maybe maybe you have Aaron Rodgers, right? And you, you fall behind in your matchup on Thursday or whatever it is, and you need to get some correlation, right? MVS, the, the air yards, or as some people call them the prayer yards, because when MVS goes bad, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be one catch or no catches, but they're going to try to get him deep. I thought it was great that, you know, the Ravens actually I thought defended the big three of, of Green Bay, the two running backs and 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 um, Adams fairly well. I think they averaged about five yards per touch yesterday. They, they didn't go crazy, but Rodgers still averaged about 8.6 yards per attempt overall because he got the secondary guys involved. If you were really desperate, maybe you could look to Alan Lazard. Again, you're in the semifinals. You probably didn't need to go that deep. Uh, Gabe Davis did score the last time against the Patriots. We don't like going up against that New England secondary. They... They shut down Michael Pittman as, as much as Carson Wentz kind of shut everything down in that game too. But uh, the Falcons in week 16, I'm not sure when we'll see Sanders again. Davis may have passed Sanders anyway. So I want to see Davis on your team. Even if you are if you don't need him, maybe you're blocking him from playing against you. And I agree, if you need to go to Tampa Bay, I would go Tyler Johnson before Scotty Miller and just do the cursory look. Make sure Antonio Brown wasn't dropped in your league. I know he's not yeah. anywhere near the roster tag that we would discuss him on this show, but – you never know. Somebody might have been desperate. You know, there's a, a rash of injuries and status update changes and stuff like that last week. So just make sure Antonio Brown isn't floating around because all of a sudden the Buccaneers really need him. If you need to look deeper in Tampa Bay, I agree that the Tyler Johnson would be the recommended play. Uh, I should add that actually, and I'm I'm seeing this right now in a in a tweet from Schefter. Apparently, Chris Godwin has an ACL injury and is yeah, heard out for the year. Yeah. And is and is done for the year, which Terrible. I mean, obviously, that's the case with an ACL. But the timing of it is brutal because that obviously takes him out for most of next season as well. That is that is really rough for a great he had become their number one. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Mike Evans fan and I thought Brown played well earlier in the year before he kind of went off the reservation. But Godwin had become the preferred the, the target guy there. So this is a big, a big hit for their Super Bowl chances. And man, I. Is everything coming up for Green Bay, right? I mean, you, nobody right. roots for injuries, right? But Tampa Bay just played terrible. They they have all these injuries. Arizona plays about as bad of a football game as you can play at Detroit. You know, the Rams have been up and down. They obviously look good last week, but um, I'd be feeling pretty 
pretty good if I'm a Green Bay Packer guy right now. Do we do we agree, by the way, that that's not really like as impressive as it was to watch the Saints just shut down the the Bucks offense? That's not that's not exactly a repeatable blueprint for every other defense, right? Because you got to you got to get to Brady with like three or four guys. Like basically, they're getting to him with four guys and dropping people into coverage, and that's just not something that every team can pull off. Yeah, I hate it when people use that as a strategy. If you can do that, do that to the end of time. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. That's what the that'll Giants work against Rodgers. That'll work against yeah. a lot of guys. Right. That's what the Giants did, and you know, Justin Tuck should have been the MVP of the first Giants Super Bowl win over the Patriots, where Tuck dominated the game. But the problem was the whole defensive line was, was kind of a, a force. And then, again, rushing just four, dropping a, a massive humanity into coverage, getting under Brady's feet. Brady played poorly. Uh, the Patriots actually did not play great the final third of that season. They were untouchable for about 11 to 12 weeks. And you couldn't make the spread big enough. They were giving more yeah. than 20 points against some teams. But uh, that kind of burst down the stretch. Yeah, if you, you, can, get, you can get home with a base rush. You know, it's, I don't know why every other defense against Brady isn't using Cam Jordan. I guess he's only on the Saints. You, <laughs> you can't lend him out. And that's the team Tampa Bay doesn't want to play. Brady has played this New Orleans team five times now. He's played them four times in the regular season. Obviously, he played New Orleans last year in the playoffs. They won that game, the playoff game, but he didn't play well. It's just Breeze was really kind of bad that day. And Brady's thrown, I think, what, maybe like nine interceptions in his last four regular season games against New Orleans. He does not remember they, they lost to Trevor Simeon just about a month ago. Um, so they've lost to uh they've lost to all sorts of Saints quarterbacks. Maybe James Winston will come back to life and and beat him again. They don't nobody wants and I know this is like the you know, the talking head speak, right? Nobody wants to play the New Orleans Saints, but that defense is nasty, man. I, I, yeah. I don't think the I don't think the Buccaneers want to go anywhere near New Orleans uh, in the playoffs if should the Saints qualify. Let's uh let's hit the tight ends before we get to some other business here. Um we can do this quickly. The the major injury coming out of week 15, Pat Fryermuth had a concussion. It's it's his second concussion in a relatively short period of time is his second this season. That's rough. Uh hopefully he recovers quickly. The the in fact the only two ads that I mentioned were actually uh in the column were Evan Ingram because he's got Philly coming up and Philly has been hyper generous to opposing tight ends all season. And um, just because I felt like I had to name a second guy, I listed James O'Shaughnessy. My heart's not in it, but he's got the Jets coming up. Uh, and then he's got a stay away matchup against the uh, the Patriots. I could imagine starting O'Shaughnessy in, I don't know, a 16 team league, something like that. I should also mention that with the Jets and Jaguars coming up, like both of those defenses are probably like you're in a deep league. I, I might I might jump on either one of those defenses uh, uh, as my as my priority this week because every other D is is basically rostered in 50, 60, 90 percent of leagues. You definitely want to be looking ahead with the schedule for defense. And again, sometimes it's just a defensive move. You're, you're blocking your opponent from having a defense that can hurt you. So let's try to gang up on some of the weak teams here. I want to point out that Everett, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get to Gerald Everett in a minute, my, my off-the-board uh, play. But Engram already had the Eagles, and he did little with it, 34 yards maybe. I, I'm just at a point where I don't trust Evan Ingram. I don't trust the Giants. Uh, congratulations, by the way, the Giants. They had Fan Appreciation Day. If you were a season <laughs> ticket holder, you get a medium soft drink. Medium. They couldn't even splurge for the large drink, <laughs> you know, to watch them get beat up by the Cowboys. You know, I wonder if Jerry, Jerry Jones brought his own soda on the Dallas sideline, you know, they brought their own bench to the Washington game, but what, what a clown car that Giants franchise is. I'm not playing Evan Ingram. I mean, I, you look, if you're desperate, if you lost one of your players to injury, you know, I get it. You, you may have to go that route. I'd rather play O'Shaughnessy. And I, I misspoke when I mentioned Everett earlier, at least he, we'll see what he does in the, in the Tuesday game, but he has some touchdown equity. I, I know he cost Russell Wilson an interception a couple of weeks ago, mishandling a pass, but they do look to him at the goal line. We're not sure yeah. what their availability of Lockett will be. For some reason, DK Metcalf has been just stuck in the mud for, for several weeks now. So um, I think Gerald Everett has in any week, maybe a 25% chance at a touchdown, which is usually what you're looking for with these tight ends, right? Just hoping for some touchdown equity. I think Everett would offer that. I would go with Shaughnessy first and Everett before Engram because I think no, nope, I know the Eagles are the greatest tight end matchup that we have, but I don't think Evan Ingram is good enough to take advantage of even the the cherry matchup. I, I don't want Evan Ingram or the Giants quarterback for that matter deciding my fate. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, give us a give us a drop to make any of these ads. We're going to have to drop somebody. Who are you cutting loose? Well, at this point, I can't play Julio Jones until there's a show me game, and uh, well, I think. 
they had a short week this week. I forget, but he still doesn't have a touchdown in 2021. And Tennessee doesn't want to throw the ball a lot. You know, they're throwing 25 passes a week. Julio's getting three to five targets. You never know if he'll finish the game. If you can't start a player this week, I'm not worried about cutting him. You know, I, I would dare my opponent to pick up Julio to beat me. I not every, I know a lot of people are just gonna be like, oh, yeah, Julio Jones, I took him in the third round. I can't cut him. Or, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Or, you know, he was my best player three years ago, whatever. I, I don't care about any of, any of that. We, this game's about numbers. It's not about names. And as great as Julio Jones is, a walk-in Hall of Famer, made one of the best Super Bowl catches I've ever seen. I, I still want to thank the Falcons for only targeting Julio four times in that game, by the way. Thank you very much. But <laughs> he's just a name right now. He's not a producer. And he's never looked comfortable with Tannehill. And he's not healthy. And they don't want to throw the ball anyway. I, I don't think Julio Jones needs to be a part of your fantasy life for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's nursing an injury right now. And as you say, he's got a he's got a Thursday matchup ahead and he's injured and it's the same injury that's been dogging him all season. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he would be a pretty easy cut going into a week in which you can't possibly uh, afford to lose. My my cut is going to be Chuba Hubbard. You just absolutely can't play him in the upcoming matchups against Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Those are two of the best run defenses in the league. And he's like, he doesn't have that full McCaffrey uh, workload, right? Like they're throwing to Amir Abdullah. Abdullah had a touchdown in, uh, in week 15. It's, you know, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be like Cam Newton's the goal line back for Carolina. So it's not like Hubbard is going to get opportunities when they happen to get inside the five yard line. So I just can't imagine starting him. I don't mind if somebody wants to start him against me. I have no, like, I have no hesitation allowing him out there so that somebody can play Chuba Hubbard against me. I like, I get it. I, I understand why we added him. We added him for the, for the matchups that are already, uh, you know, that, that just occurred and he didn't really do much of anything in them. And there's just no way that I would start him against Tampa. Yeah. Or, I, I kind of feel that way about Miles Gaskin too. You know, if somebody wanted to play Miles Gaskin against me, I, I would welcome it at this point. So he, he's another guy. This is a little low hanging fruit because I, I don't think anybody's holding out high hopes for Gaskin, but he's behind Duke Johnson now and the Saints are off. Yeah. So I'd like to see that roster tag go down this week as you make room again. You might need a backup quarterback. You don't think you do, but you might. You might need a second or third defense. This is the time of year to do that. Um, maybe even, you know, maybe you're going to insure your tight end or maybe you, there's a running back insurance, right? I mean, th- I hope some of the four net managers out there already had Ronald Jones. Th- then you're not forced to, you know, to hope that you get him. Maybe you already play that insurance card. This is the time. I do not, I do not go for running back insurance in the summer. You, I love running back yeah. insurance pretty much after Halloween. That's when like it, it's, um, it's the season for that. So again, that's, that's where you should be. When you're cutting Julio Jones, it might be for a running back you're never going to play just in case the the guy in front of him gets hurt. Yeah, Jones, as of Monday morning, was rostered in something like 35% of Yahoo leagues. Um, Samaj P. Ryan was out there everywhere. And yep. obviously, we talked Joe about Mixon him here. I know up. P. Ryan was a guy we mentioned before, you know, as, as you know, when Madison popped, you know, who could be the next yeah. Madison? It could certainly be a P. Ryan. Is there anybody um, else okay. come to mind? Can you think of another insurance back that I mean, I know you yeah, got Khalil uh, Herbert. I would Herbert, like, sure. and again, we're, we're talking about this before, uh, before the, the bears actually play on Monday night, but I, I, we saw enough from Khalil Herbert and I, I, I tend to think that people got maybe a little bit too enthusiastic about Herbert at certain points, but he is clearly good enough to shoulder the load. Uh, if anything were to happen to David Johnson, Dearness Johnson would probably, again, we don't know what's going to happen yes, with the Raiders right. and Browns, but, um, with, with Hunt Hurt. We've seen Dearness Johnson play well, and, and we know the Browns, they don't want to throw it 40 times. They want to, they can't call enough running plays. They barely want to throw it 20 times. Like, no. if, if they can get away with, with the uh, Colts game plan from this past week, they they're sign them up. They're, they're I'm, ready I'm for I'm surprised that. they don't punt on third down. That's how conservative <laughs> that team is, man. Uh, they, you know, they'd probably give up draw on third, third and five. They if they did, somewhere Troy Aikman would say, well, you know, the analytics, they, they say to punt here, but uh, I don't know. You really, you really have to punt here, Joe. Yeah, Troy Aikman <laughs> never saw a punt that he, he didn't want to get behind. By the way, if, speaking of analytics, isn't it funny how it's like Jim Harbaugh, it's like you know, he's always going for two in these spots, and they're all analytically defended, even if the edge is slight. It's like, oh, yeah, the analytics all say this. But then they call the, the worst player. They execute it you know, really poorly. They don't make it. So now we have this endless battle online of you know, a lot of smart people pointing out the analytics and a lot of people – 
uh, who don't want to believe in that stuff. And oh, people are just sick of the whole thing going back and forth. And, you know, why aren't you using Justin Tucker? No, you know, Harbaugh's right to get the game over with. I don't know. It's, it's a, We live in interesting times. I honestly, in the in the Chargers game, I, I didn't think very many of those calls should have been viewed as particularly controversial. I understand that you get to the end of the game and you're like, oh, man, that's a whole bunch of field goals that would have uh, that would have been useful. I th- I guess I guess maybe the end of half. Um, there you go. That's, go for that's it where the rubber meets the, the road. That's where the rubber meets the road, because the reason why going for it, say, say you're fourth and goal at the one. The reason why going for it is almost always right is because if you don't make it, you have pinned your opponent at the one-yard right. line. Now, at the end of a half, it's possible there's not enough time left for you to get the advantage of, you don't right. get the field position equity because the half's going to end. So there's times where at the end of a half, I might take a field goal. I think you do have to consider the shape of the game, how many points you think you need to win. Um, if, if you have a chance to go up by two scores late in the game, a lot of times I would just kick the field goal, even though it's it's not going to maximize your margin of victory, but it may maximize your winning percentage. But I, I think it's important. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, fourth and goal for one, you have to go for it. At the end of the half, I think the calculus is a little bit different because you might yeah. not get the field position equity might not come into play because there's not enough time to get the ball back again. Yeah, that's exactly right. They were also like they were moving the ball with ease. Um, and sometimes you get into a goal line situation where the, you know, the first three plays were so blown up and and looked so doomed from the start that you're like, eh, we better kick. Um, nothing good is happening here. But with the Chargers, it was like, you know, the passes were dropped that are not normally dropped. Um, their offense was humming. Like, it just didn't, they didn't seem like unusual decisions to me. I would have liked to see Eckler on the field. I know he was playing through yeah. um, an injury. A couple of times they took him out of the goal line package. And I used to know, like, they used to always do this in Detroit, right? Where Barry Sanders, there were years where he was almost never used at the goal line. And my beef with that is like, okay, you don't have to give it to Barry Sanders if you don't want to. But why take somebody who's always going to command defensive attention and yes. eliminate him from the minds of your opponent. I, I just never thought that made any sense. And that's how I feel about the chargers. I, I think Austin Eckler clearly is, is much more talented than anybody else in that running back room. I don't, you know, I think we all can see that. Why make it easier to defend? Just, just like I can't stand when the teams go to the jumbo package and, you know, they pull everybody in tight and you just don't have that many things you can do. And if you're trying to run up the middle in that situation, you're running into a massive humanity. A lot of times the running back will run to the, the back of his blockers because he can't find a lane. I would always, you know, fourth and goal at the one, I would always spread them out, make them defend every inch of the yeah. field. And if you even, okay. even if you were going to limit Eckler, and obviously they were limiting Eckler's snaps yep, uh, sure. in, in week 15, but even if you were going to do that, man, get it, get him on the field when you're inside the 10. He's been so good in those situations. He's your most dangerous ball carrier by is, far, by orders of magnitude. The difference between getting zero, three, and seven, you know, inside the 10 is huge. It, it decides a lot of football games, that efficiency. So don't make yourself easy to defend. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Chargers, Brandon Staley's a modern coach. And we're getting to the point. Now, Man, does that guy win press conferences too, by the way? Like all, all of my favorite press conference moments from NFL head coaches this year are basically Staley. They're not Bill Belichick press conferences? <laughs> they, they're they're not Matt Nagy not. press conferences? Does, does <laughs> Nagy win the, does he won the uh, media fight in Chicago? Oh, hell no. All right, let's let's get the people ready for these Tuesday games, because um, by God, we have Tuesday night football, and not just one game. We got we got we got double Tuesday uh, double action at the same up. time too. It's gonna be it's gonna be a party. Talk to me about the Seahawks and Rams. I'm not even going to attempt to go over every player that's on the COVID list. Um, by the way, hopefully, um, and perhaps this is something that I should have mentioned at the top. Um, given the given the the situation and the everything feels tenuous about these Tuesday games, right? And these postponed games. Um, I hope that you took advantage of, of opportunities to move the, the Monday and Tuesday guys into flex spots wherever possible, right? Because uh, the, everything feels fragile about these things. And you want to give yourself, obviously, the maximum number of replacement options uh, uh, in, in these situations. And so if this comes up again, if week 16 or 17 descends into chaos and we've got more Tuesday games to worry about, just just make sure that you do that on Sunday morning. Slide some of these guys into flex positions. Um, so let's talk about, I don't know, what what are the key questions on the Seattle side? Russ, Russell Wilson seems to have settled into being a quarterback who never, ever runs the football. Um, he still doesn't have more than 32 rushing yards in any game this year. Like, that's done. That's gone. That's no. He's apparently no longer a dual, dual threat guy. He's throwing two touchdowns a week. I don't know. What are your expectations for him here against the Rams? Yeah, two, two touchdowns, 255 sounds right. 
also remember the importance of having a caddy, right? Like say you're like me, you really want Tyler Lockett to play. You need to have another option in one of, among one of these four teams who you could sub in. You know, it might be Gerald Everett. It might be Dwayne Eskridge. It might be one of the Washington receivers. You know, I don't know what's available in your league, but having a caddy available so that you can wait as long as you can, get the inactives, you know, maybe even get like a warm-up report of, of how Lockett looks or somebody else who might be battling an injury before you make a decision. Um, let me ask you this. To me, the big question here is, with the Rams in Seattle is what would you do with the Rams backfield? Say you say somebody, I bet there's yeah. people out there who have belt both of the Rams running backs. Who would you play first? I'm uh, yeah. Uh, it's a good, it's a good question. Daryl Henderson has come off the COVID list. I'm assuming that Daryl Henderson goes back um, to RB one status, but I feel like Sony Michelle has played his way into RB one a status too. I'd be, I'd be surprised if there's not a rotation here. I don't, I don't think there's a ton. I don't know. Does this trigger people? I don't know. I don't think there's a ton separating these two guys. Uh, Henderson has been good this year. Uh, Sony Michelle has been good in his absence, however. And I believe that Henderson doesn't have a 100-yard rushing effort uh, to to this point in the season. Again, I I think he probably outsnaps Michelle. I I don't know. You know, I'm no way for me to know how he's feeling coming off the COVID list, anything like that. He's the guy. He's the guy that I ultimately ranked over Michelle, but I had him relatively close. Like I think they're both going to play. Yeah, I think they'll both play, and it pro- they'll both play enough that if Michelle shows more juice in the first half, maybe Michelle yeah. is the feature back in the second half. Therefore, Michelle is playable, even if I might lean to Henderson. I also think uh, it's pretty obvious Rashad Penny in the circle of trust after that blow up game last week. I, you know he's. A lot like Duke Johnson, right? A lot of us probably said nice things about Rashad Penny. It feels like it was 17 years ago. It sure does, yeah. He looked really good last week. And um, Seattle offense that we know they want to run to set up the run. Uh, They also want to run. Seattle wants to run 48 plays if at all possible. You know, they they do not want to. They're in no hurry. You know, they're using all that time on the on the play clock. So, Um, but Penny's in the circle trust. I do think Michelle and Henderson will both have double digit touches in this game. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Washington and Philly. Um, these are, these are both six and seven teams, uh, scrapping to, to, to just maybe possibly maybe claw their way into the playoffs. Uh, we've got the, we could have the Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew debate again, if you like, it seems like it's going to be Hurts. This is, this is a case where the, the postponement of the game has been, I assume, really helpful to guys like, you know, Terry McLaurin was, was a little bit dicey with a concussion. It sure seems like he's going to go. This has surely been good for Jalen Hurts. Um, I know Philly wasn't happy about having the game moved, but a couple of extra days for Jalen Hurts, a guy coming off a high ankle injury, uh, that seems like a good thing. We think also that uh, Philly's running backs are are going to be good to go. Jordan Howard should return from injury. Um, Miles Sanders got a little bit banged up before their bye, but he should be good to go. Is this is there any chance that this is the week when Miles Sanders finally finds the end zone? It could. You would think. I actually told a lot of people to be careful with Hurts. Now at this point, you've either probably landed on a quarterback not hurts or you're playing hurts i i don't think it's like you you want to play somebody else um who's playing on tuesday night that's available to you but hurts needs to run to be a fantasy factor yeah he, he's not a good and, and again we you go back a couple of weeks we had a hurts Minshew cage match you can replay that if you want to but i think we all know that i mean jalen hurts for about 10 weeks this season was the right answer quarterback fantasy and the reason because he was running so proactively and he was getting the goal line equity is that in play? One, if they get ahead. Two, he's coming off an ankle injury. It does help that he's had you know, a little extra time to get rehabbed, but we don't know what kind of situation he's in. He's also been a player who's tended to produce much better later in games. He had some games where he was just doing the Roethlisberger, just horrible for a half or three quarters, and he'd cram it all into the fourth quarter. I don't know what not playing for a week will do to that. You know, Devonta Smith has been up and down. Dallas Goddard really hadn't done much of anything until Minshew got that start. This to me screams this just screams like the first team the 20 points is going to win. I think 17 points might win this game. I'm not confident playing McLaurin because he's either down to a third or fourth string quarterback, depending if Kyle Allen can go. He's yeah. coming off a concussion himself. Uh, I, I don't think either one of these teams is I know the metrics. I know the, the the people who are into advanced metrics love the Eagles for some reason. A lot of the sharp money's on the Eagles week in, week out, but I really don't trust either one of these offenses. I think the Eagles are going to win like a, a 17 to 13 type of football game. Um, I can play Miles Sanders. 
you may have to play McLaurin. I tried not to play McLaurin, and I'm one of the biggest McLaurin fans out there. I just think he's been sunk by his offense. And uh, Hertz was actually on my fade list this week. So when, when Hertz ends up being quarterback one, I'm sure you know I'll get rained on <laughs> on Twitter. But um, I'm not actually eager to play Hertz either because he needs to run and you know, high ankle sprain. That's just something that tends to linger. No, I, I agree with the take on Hertz, uh, particularly for this week. Um, such a such a, a run game dependent player, and he, like this is a this is a weird matchup because Washington on the season is allowing the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. But you look back over their last five weeks, it's it's pretty different. They've only given up seven touchdown passes. Nobody's having a big week against them lately. Um, so they haven't been exactly the the pushover that they were earlier in the year. And like, I don't know exactly what Jalen Hurts is going to look like. Obviously, they can they can do some things to kill the pain. But if he's not, you know, like we're starting Jalen Hurts because we expect 70 rushing yards. And, and we know that they like to run him when they get inside the 10, inside the five. Um, if I can't bank on those things, like I already pivot, you know, it didn't work out, but I already pivoted in a couple places and, and played Taysom Hill over him. And I, I don't like, I feel like that process was fine. I, I think he's, I think he's somewhat difficult to trust this week. Yeah. I'm sure I told some people to play Taysom Hill over Hertz. And right now they're, they're probably throwing some darts at me, but I think it was the right call. And, you know, you, you have to, and this was one of the themes of the week, right? Is that, you know, the bird in the hand, you know, a player I yeah. knew was healthy. A lot of times you, I'm sure a lot of people would have preferred to play Tyler Lockett, but went with a different receiver. Maybe you played Gabe Davis and not Tyler Lockett. That would have worked out. Uh, there would have been many cases where, you know, you play a Patriot receiver, it wouldn't have worked out. But, um, you know, when the week gets stretched out like this, you find yourself, you have to make decisions with incomplete information and you have to manage yep. your expectations. You know, I thought a healthy Taysom Hill in a game, which I thought would have at least some scoring. I mean, that was, I think that was the lowest scoring game of the year, that 9 nothing win for the Saints, uh, which which felt, I don't know, it just, it just felt like the type of game we deserved in week 15 with, with all the games getting moved around and all the uncertainty and everything. And, uh all that was that through. was exactly the game that I grew up with, right? Like that was old NFC Central Bears Lions nineteen seventy eight football nine North to nothing. Division, yeah, yeah. Usually one of the teams would have a tie. Somebody always <laughs> had a tie in the Central Division. <laughs> yes. Bears have a tie. The Packers would have a tie. Oh yeah, the Packers coming in at six, seven, and one, still mathematically <laughs> alive in the playoff hunt. Yeah, that's you know. The week we deserved. Oh, but by the way, I guess I deserved it when I said that Travis Kelsey was no longer the number one tight end. I guess I deserve to have Travis Kelsey have his best game of the season. Up oh, man, if you, if you were the reason for that, huge thanks to you because I needed it. So he was barking out, peeing out this, peeing out that at the camera. Did you see him? He scored <laughs> and he sought out the camera. And I, I believe if, 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 if you heard him, there was like, yeah, they put who in the Hall of Fame? I'm peeing out. I'm like, oh, forget him. Forget him. Oh, <laughs> uh, you've made en- enemies of the entire Kelsey family, turns out. And the, don't look now the Chiefs are number one seed in the AFC again, man. You know, the Chiefs on their de- on the strength of their defense. I, I know Mahomes was great in that game, although it all happened late. Also, super late. Second- if you if you'd given up on Pat Mahomes in that game, I totally get it. I, I basically had for the second week in a row. I'll shout out to our friend Kevin Kadok, who had a like a six or seven leg prop parlay in that game that he hit, and he was ta- telling me about. It. He's like, yeah, this thing looked this ticket was so dead until the end of the game <laughs> when just everything fell into place. And uh, he's killing it on the midway minute, man. Even if you're not a Chicago sports fan, I know Andy doesn't really like Chicago. That's a sports. that's he, a good shout out. It's really good. Um, and there's always a nice hook at the top too. Like it's a really good newsletter. And he, and he also he has a lot of great people who collaborate on that. Um, yeah. Our old friend and, and colleague Maggie Hendricks will give her Bears prediction. And you know it's legitimate because every week they pick the Bears game and they all pick the opponent. So these guys are not homers, <laughs> right? You know, you, you're sick of the homer journalist who's like, oh yeah, this is the week the Bears turn it around. They're all like, they've all turned on the team, which is awesome. So, uh, you know, short of Andy starting the Hawkeye minute, uh, the Midway minute <laughs> is the is the official, the official, um, you know, news news uh, newsletter of, uh, of PM. Yeah, we're going to kick that off for the Citrus Bowl. Look for that in your inbox real soon. Um, that is going to do it for this episode, but we'll keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Barron's follow him for sure. That's Scott. He's at Scott underscore Pianowski uh, for fantasy news and analysis from the entire team. Please make sure that you are also following at Yahoo fantasy. Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab. Who's never not potting uh, for the betting preview of week 16 in the NFL. But until then we are out. 